Welcome everyone. I'm KB. And I'm Kate. And she didn't want to do the intro, so I'm doing it. That's welcome right. to the center seat. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We did something kind of different this week. Yeah, we're going to be starting a new segment and we keep changing the name, but I kind of like hindsight is 2020. I approve. Seconded, it passes. But basically, we're going to be talking about some of our missed favorites of the last 20 years. So um, anyone who's listened to this podcast before is kind of catched on to the point that we have uh, different tastes in uh, cinema. It's true. <laughs> There's some overlap. A lot of overlap, I would say. Yeah. I think that's where the magic happens. But <laughs> um, there are some movies that are my favorites that Kate has never seen and vice versa. Do the versa. right thing. I wasn't going to bring it up. I'll we'll do it. That, I'm ashamed. We'll, we'll get that remedied soon enough. But um, we're basically going to take a year at a time and point out one or two movies that one of us hasn't seen and the other one has to do a quick review of it. So we're going to start with the year 2000 and then go all the way through 2019. And uh, during weeks when maybe there wasn't anything that great coming out because we're in sort of that season of the movies post-Oscar dump, um, or we just didn't get around to seeing anything. This is a really good way for us to uh, test each other's knowledge. And you should see the spreadsheets that we yeah, have for this. Bigger. It's just lists <laughs> of, <laughs> and sheets of movies by year and with X marks and notes about how old we are. Tabs. Oh, Lots my gosh. Of tabs. That came out in 2000. What? Yeah. Talking yeah. about that, what are some of your favorite movies from that year, from the year 2000? Well, uh, Memento, Hard, Definitely. Far and Away. Those mm -hmm. are just, that was actually a really good year for movies because you also had Requiem for a Dream. You had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, Best in Show, A Brother Where Art Thou, uh, Dancer in the Dark, Billy Elliot. I mean, mm -hmm. some really good stuff. The X-Men trilogy kicked off, the original X-Men trilogy, and then you also had um, some comedic franchises start with Meet the Parents, the Scary Movie franchise kicked off. It was kind of a big uh, moment as far as all the things that went from there. Also Unbreakable, yeah. Final Destination franchise, went two, two of my very favorite horror movies came out which, that year. Which ones? What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. I watched that just a few months ago. It holds up. It's excellent. It's very Hitchcockian. And on the total other side of that, The Cell with Jennifer Lopez and Vincent D'Onofrio basically being in an art project for two hours with Vince Vaughn. It's so flipping good and I love it and I'll never apologize. I won't make you apologize right now for that one, but... Just adding to that, because I agree with all of them, um, that was the year we got to see the film adaptation of American Psycho, a book I never thought I would see on the big screen, and kind of introduced most of the world to Christian Bale. Yeah, um, that's true. Gladiator, big year for Gladiator, uh, winning Best Picture, Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Almost Famous, that was another one that I really liked. I think that was the year I started going across the pond to find uh, comedic performances. So uh, Snatch, a movie by Guy Ritchie. I put Guy Ritchie on the map, too. Yeah, I can put that movie on and just crack up like I've never seen it before. 
We also got a co-star in the form of a volleyball that year. We had Castaway, my favorite Grinch movie, shout out. And like you said, there was a lot of uh, sequels and also beginning of franchises that got started. We also yep. had some lowlights too. I don't know if we want to discuss those. Well, I was going to say, like, as far as um, careers that got kick-started, you had um, Angelina Jolie in Gone in 60 Seconds, which was a kind of a breakout role for her. Um, High Fidelity, which is one of my very <laughs> top five movies. It's not in my top five. Um, no, but I did have the movie, the book, the soundtrack, and the poster on my college apartment wall. Um, you had the beach with DiCaprio, which, uh, sort of positioned him as someone who would be able to move into adult uh, entertainment from the teen scene matinee idol. Mm -hmm. And then also Soderbergh's traffic came out, which was a career making moment for him. Yeah. So yeah, definitely some high points. Um, some, some big, big stuff that year. I mean, we don't ever have to talk about the Patriot cause I... Mm -mm. loathe loathe that movie no so what we're gonna do is kate chose return to me for me to see and i chose chocolate for her to see so coming up we will review return to me after this break Look, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, she had a heart transplant. I went with a girl once that had a club foot. I mean, she had the big shoe and everything. Grace, come on. You can hardly see it anymore. I just don't like all the questions, you know? No one's going to notice your chest. You're not married, Linda? No, no, no. She passed away. This is my friend, Bob. His wife is dead. Hey, hey Robin! Hey, 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 how are you? invited somebody over here like a blind date for you. What? I already told him you've had some work done. Thank God she's not a Buick. He's a terrific guy. In fact, he had a transplant too. Well, I'm still in a little pain, but uh, look how natural it looks. Go ahead, give it a tongue. No, that's okay. I got somebody for you. Oh, Charlie, Ooh. no. She's got a great body. <laughs> I think your ass is ringing. <laughs> Do we know each other? I think so. Oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. Here, here, Robert, I want you to meet my granddaughter, Gracie, here. Isn't she lovely? Would you go out with me? Yes. Is that a question? I met someone. I just wanted to tell you. Lovebirds, Arthur. Let's play some Frankie Sinatra. Here's a so in 2000, this cute little romantic dramedy came out, um, directed by Bonnie Hunt, who isn't really known as a director. She's kind of a, she tends to be like a second banana, older sister character actress, very talented. I believe it was her directorial debut, but you can fight me about that because I honestly don't remember. But it stars David Duchovny and Minnie Driver as uh, sort of star-crossed lovers trying to find each other after David Duchovny's wife dies and her heart goes, physical heart, goes to Minnie Driver in a heart transplant. It stars Carol O'Connor, who is honestly the absolute delight of the movie. It's my favorite. And I haven't seen it in probably at least 15, maybe more years, but I loved it enough that I had it on VHS once upon a time. Uh, I remember it as being kind of charming and sweet and not a sharp end to be found, just sort of a feel good, fuzzy 
Chicago love story. So KB had never seen it. It was like the only thing in 2000 that he didn't watch. (laughs) So uh, it was his assignment to watch this week. And what did you think about Return to Meet? Were you filled with warm fuzzies? I was. It was was very entertaining. It was, I I think the early 2000s where we really got into this modern day version of what a, as you call it, dramedy is where it's not too sappy, but I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the main performances by Duchovny and Driver, especially if you consider they really didn't do too much film-wise after that. It was kind of like they were big in the 1990s, of course. David Duchovny with X-Files and Mini Driver, most famously the first one I could think of is Goodwill Hunting. And I would say sharply after that, they either went to TV or back to TV and really not the same. But like you mentioned, Carol O'Connor's in there, probably the most heartwarming uh, performance. Do we need to say who he is for the sake of millennials or something? Well, he played a very famous character in the 70s on a show called All in Family. He was a guy named Archie Bunker. Yes. He was... An awful, awful human being. (laughs) He was a product of his time. He was a lovable curmudgeon who was cranky and misogynistic and racist and awful. Yes. But funny. So this was also his last performance. So that just added to it. And he was nothing like Archie Bunker in this. No. He couldn't be further from it. There's this old Irish guy who, as I remember, just had this heart of gold. Mm Mm-hmm playing uh, Mini Driver's grandfather. Uh, David Allen Greer in, once again, not just a comedic role, but more of a dramatic role. Bonnie Hunt was in it herself. Uh, James Belushi played Bonnie Hunt's husband. So two comedians just, I, I almost want to say there was no script there when they ac- actually had to uh, speak to each other. It just seemed like all improv. Yeah, it seemed very off the cuff. Mm-hmm. And I, st- I still remember a couple of lines from it, even though I haven't seen it in so long. And David Duchovny, too, I think, playing, and, and Mini Driver, too. They've both played such edgy, dark roles since then that seeing them as just sort of these, like, wholesome human beings just living mm-hmm. their lives, it would be kind of a trip, I think, to go back after Californication and see yeah, David Yeah, I, I don't do that. He's definitely not Hank Moody here, and he's not Fox Mulder either. But uh, the character that he does play is just like at times heart wrenching, at times just like the perfect gentleman that you mm-hmm. want to, if you're a young lady, have as your courting mate. I don't know. <laughs> he's um, he's perfect rom com material. He is. He's like that uh, lovable character. Now, why? What made you choose this movie for me? Besides. The lack of choices. No, that was pretty much it. <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> what do you love about this? Then? Oh, okay. Um, I I feel like uh, romantic comedies, at some point they moved away from like, here's a sweet story. Um, because, you know, at one point you had this moment where they got so simpering and formulaic and 
overly done. And then you have the other end where it just became so important for them to push these envelopes and they had to be kind of risky and, and what have you. So you had like the serendipity and uh, you've got male side of things. And mm -hmm. then on the other end of it, you tended to get towards some more of the raunchier stuff with like Cam Diaz or, but what I liked about this one is it really has such an old movie quality to it. Like it could have easily been made in the 50s, um, not because of misogyny or gender roles, but just because it's a story with people and the story and the performances are quality without having to rely on shock value and gimmicks and things like mm -hmm. that. I just, I just think it's, it's, there's quality in its simplicity. And I, I think the whole thing of the heart and the star-crossed lovers kind of gave you a unique perspective, but at the same time, it's still a romance. So, right, it's still got some cheese. It's yeah, still got some cheese. It's, it's still some cheese there, but yeah. you, you accept it because it's bounced out with these dramatic moments that are very identifiable. And, and and sometimes the best moments in life have some cheese to them. Maybe yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. okay. That's a, that is the most gooey thing you're ever going to get out of me, by the way. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take it. I still remember this one scene from it that I envy to this day. And it is David Duchovny running in Chicago with his dog who is not on a leash. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. It's not allowed. That was it? That was the moment? Yeah, that's the whole thing. Remember. Like, that's the moment I remember because I don't get to run my dog without a leash. I had, like, she has to be leashed. And I was just like, he's in downtown Chicago with an untethered dog. That seems really illegal. And I thought it then, and I think it now. Hmm. And it's those weird moments in movies that stick in my brain. Talking about sticking in your brain, that Dean Martin song that they just play and sing throughout the movie. That's very, very stuck in my brain. What is it? I don't even remember it. The, re the, the theme song. Oh, Return, Return to Me. Duh, yeah. of course. <laughs> like, what is it? Duh. <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's also one of those movies where the city that it was filmed in is almost like a character itself. I love those movies. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene where they're looking out over the city skyline and it's, it's just picturesque and it's almost still. And then you have the streets and the restaurant and so forth that just ties it all in and just, it's not big city bright lights, but it's also almost like a residential part of Chicago. This was kind of a good year for those more calm rom-coms like that though because another one that came out that year was ed norton's directorial debut keeping the faith where he plays the priest and ben siller plays the rabbi and they're both in love with the same girl do you remember that one i remember it being too long but that's a, <laughs> that's a ed norton weird favorite. that's how i felt about motherless brooklyn but I, I actually did really like that movie for a lot of the same reasons that I liked this one was just that simplicity of plot and character. And the story is something that is, you know, emotion, emotionally tumultuous and the performances underscore that without having to get into that 
deep serendipity cheese. I hate that movie. And I will mention it as the worst romantic comedy ever made every <laughs> chance I get. And on the other end, you know, your more raunchy stuff. So if you want to join me in checking out Return to Me, you can check it out streaming on Amazon Prime Video. So after this break, um, we will talk about the movie that I watched and KB will explain why he loved it and why he recommended that it be the movie I see from 2000. There once was a town that believed in tranquility at any cost. If you saw something you weren't supposed to see, you looked the other way. Then one day, a sly wind blew in from the north, and with it, strangers. These people are not welcome. Hayachi's an atheist. What's that? Don't know. Opening a chocolatery just in time for Lent. Shameless, isn't it? Would you like to come in for some chocolate? What about boycott immorality then? So for my pick for Kate to watch, and I really couldn't believe she's never seen this, uh, just following with the romantic drama uh, motif that we have going here is Chocolat, a great movie that starred a, to me at the time, unknown named Juliette Binoche and Ma'am Judy Dench. And also, as the love interest, we have Mr. Johnny Depp. No comments about Johnny Depp right now. Just keep that, yep, just keep your lips pursed together. <laughs> Basically, in this one, uh, we have a kind of a gypsy woman, I would describe her as, who's in this fake French village, and she kind of blows into town with the wind and sets up a chocolatery. Now, the, the timing of doing this is kind of unique because it's the beginning of Lent. And for non-Catholics, you know, you normally give up something for Lent. Most of the time, people give up sweets. So, great time to open up a chocolate spot when everyone's giving up your sweets for the, uh, for the 40 days or what have you. But what she does in the process is use this as a vehicle to open up all these repressed feelings that people have and everyone in the film is pretty much a character themselves so you have co-stars such as alfred molina who plays kind of like the antagonist and you have lena olin as the lady who's kind of like let's just call her trouble carrie ann moss a whole bunch of different people and the town itself is a character and they all have these unique interactions with her. Kate, what did you think? I think that I enjoyed it much now, more now at the age of 37 than I would have at the age of 18 when it came out mm -hmm. because it was very, it felt uniquely tailored to me to be perfectly honest. Um, it has a very, fairy tale uh vibe to it which is something i'm very much into mm -hmm. and it's it's def it's absolutely a fable and that, those are my favorite stories it being in this tiny french village where when i just got back from paris and it's all about chocolate and there's these beautiful scenes of making chocolate that 
literally sent me to my butler pantry to eat all of the chocolate I bought my husband in France. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they kind of... <laughs> it's they, food porn. It's 100% food porn. I was, I was just about to say that there are these close-up shots of the chocolate being made and being poured, and it's almost dare I say it, erotic in a sense. Oh, very much so. It's very sensuous. And so I had these dark chocolate truffles that I bought Ryan in Paris that I ate like five of them while I was watching it. And they were really good. And it was perfectly timed. And, uh, but yeah, it was, I'll be honest, like when the Miramax scroll came on to kick the movie Mm. off, I kind of like gut punched. I was like, oh, that doesn't mean what it used to, Uh, which was kind of a bummer. but. Yeah, I thought it was really charming. I thought that um, it was interesting to see Judy Dench playing this old withered woman, you know, 20 years ago, you know, when she's still fighting and amazing now. And she looks so young. Um, I thought Juliette Binoche was uh, perfectly cast. I really liked her in it. And um, Carrie Ann Moss as well, playing this... uh, rigid but ultimately very kind character I thought it was beautiful I thought it was really fun it kind of um lost me a little towards the end I felt like it was a little bit long it comes in at two hours which some of it could have been chopped Mm -hmm. I will say the first shot of Johnny Depp is him with a ponytail playing guitar and all of my current cultural post-traumatic stress cropped up and I went oh ew (laughs) like out loud as soon as they showed the shot (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh he's always you but that said even he as much as I do not care for him even a little was very good very subtle in the role and also very charming Mm -hmm. um yeah it was I really enjoyed it so what do you remember it what were you excited about sharing it with me well I will say a couple of things one it definitely holds up as you get older watching it recently it played better than when I originally watched it in 2000. And I liked it enough in 2000 to buy it and own it and so forth. But watching it now, it, it plays more into, as you mentioned, that fairy tale kind of like I'm going to be this, this vessel of love and compassion for this town than, you know, this widow showing up into the town. Um, as far as the character actors, both Carrie Ann Moss and Johnny Depp, as you mentioned, I like the fact that they play it outside the roles that you normally see in them. Carrie Ann Moss coming off of The Matrix the year before and The Matrix following, but it was a different role for her. And, and Memento that same year. Yeah. And once again, even that character in there is different than the role she plays oh, here. totally, yeah. And the same thing for Depp. It was different than the uh, movies he made before and after and doing any drugs and he was very very muted which i liked that's my preference for him like my favorite movie with him is a dead man he barely talks in it at all it's my preferred way to see johnny Depp. well the whole thing is he does have the range to be in a movie without being like outlandish and loud and brazen and when he's playing in these more quiet roles, it's it's almost like you want him to be like that all the time. And then after that, you get your Pirates movies and you're like, uh, we're never going to get that guy back. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found Juliette Binoche's character 
to just, I loved that she was, like you said, a vessel of compassion is a really good way to put it because you have this priest character um, who is very rigid and, you know, there is no, there is no room for pleasure in Lent. And even it seems in, in faith um, by the way he teaches it. And so to have this woman come in, who's not saying to do anything differently, except for maybe also it's okay to enjoy yourself and, but Mm -hmm. doing it with such an attitude of kindness and lack of judgment um, as we saw repeatedly and, and with a pinch of magic. I mean, there's a, there's a little Mary Poppins to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think watching it as an adult woman, rather than if I'd seen it as a teenager, it's so much more of a, um, a good reminder of those things when we can get focused on getting kids out the door, get stuff done, like reminder, oh, there's, there's moments for, for fun here too. And the thing is, like I said, I watched it recently and the one element of the movie that really didn't hit before, but it did now, was the romantic element. Yeah, it's it's kind of heavy-handed at times. Yeah, but it's like this time I kind of focused on that and just the way that there's so many different situations for the need for romance or the, the difference between like the romance that uh, the Badosh and Depp characters had and versus the people in the town. Oh, yeah. And just how, as you mentioned, that little bit of magic brought them together and everything. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of the film this time. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a very sweet little uh, little fable. Um, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for the recommendation. You're welcome. And if anybody else would like to watch it, it is available with an HBO subscription or you can rent it in all the places. New in theaters this week. We don't have much. <laughs> it's probably um, for the best. Yeah. One of the things I did see was Harrison Ford unshaved um, in Call of the Wild which I don't know. Why do we need to make that again? <laughs> Big hearted dog, blissful domestic life turned upside down when he's uprooted from his California home and transplanted to the exotic wilds of the Alaska Yukon during the gold rush of the 1890s. It reminds me of doing oh, the I book report. It. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Okay. But which, what was the other one? It was white Fang, right? Call of the yeah. wild and white Fang. Which one do you like better? Uh, I guess call it a while. I, I don't care for either one of them. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I would go with White Fang just because that had a cooler name. What I will recommend is Emma, and that might be a limited release. I know it's in a couple of AMC theaters here in Kansas City, but um, put it this way, Jane Austen done in a nice, quirky, clever way. That's all I'll say about it. So, so far to date... What is your favorite retelling of Emma? Because there's so many. Don't have any. Clueless is mine. Easy, hands down. I would go with that. That's I love Clueless. I like, like, I can't wait for my daughter to be old enough to watch that one. That's going to be fun. But next week, we have uh, a review of the new Elizabeth Moss movie, The Invisible Yay! Man. I really can't wait to see it. We I'm were pretty jazzed. Re- we were recently talking about Universal trying to... Um, I was thinking about that, too. I don't even call it remake. Reheat? Reboot? Some of, yeah, some of their classic monster movies. This is probably the only one that I'm looking forward to because no Tom Cruise this time. 
and all Elizabeth Moss, which I mean, as Scientologists go, that's the one I would prefer. Yeah, that's uh, she's always did, good. Did you ever see Hollow Man? Yeah. 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 I didn't see that one. That's, I was. Uh, it's it was, it's fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's you've fun. got like evil Kevin Bacon, and how often does that happen? I know that alone should bring you in, but okay. yeah, fair enough. Until next time, I've been KB. And I am still Kate. And we want to thank you for listening to The Center Seat. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. See you next time. (laughs) Yeah, now you're a Barbie doll. Great. (laughs) No, I was doing Aladdin. What? That's what Robin Williams does in Aladdin when they're getting off the car. He goes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Because he's pretending to be a stewardess. I was thinking Barbie at the end of Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah, that's that's fair, too. It's a wide reference. It could be a lot of things. We're a mess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but really, bye. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>